Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. Our subject today is, is the universe, including man, evolved by atomic force? We welcome you all. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And thank you all for joining us this morning. We'll begin with our morning prayer. On page 282 of Divinity Course and General Collectania. Repeat the following affirmation silently several times each day, not with strained anxiety to get something out of them, but trying calmly to realize the meaning of the word. God is all, there is no evil. All is harmony, there is no discord. All is health, there is no sickness. All is spirit, there is no matter. All is joy, there is no sorrow. All is truth, there is no falsehood. All is faith, there is no fear. All is life, there is no death. All is love, there is no hate. Mary Baker Eddy Beautiful, thank you. Right, our watching point, Karen. Watch number 124. Watch lest your sense of good be comparative instead of uniform, human rather than divine. Human good seems good only by contrast, thus supporting a sense of evil through the belief in opposites. When one says, I feel fine, you can hear the unvoiced reason, because I am not sick. The belief Mm -hmm. in comparative good, where a statement of health includes a belief in the reality of sickness, is only a step toward the understanding of that good that is all. The error of human or material good, so-called, is that it it sustains a sense of the reality of evil. For this reason, it is necessary to watch one's sense of good in order to remove as fast as possible the tinge of human sense that carries with it the belief in the existence of an opposite possibility. The only sense of good that is uniform, all-encompassing, and that knows no opposite is the divine. When God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, it was very good, not because it was not evil, but because it came forth from the source of all good. The acceptance of good by comparison was what brought the mist that rose up from the earth. From this mist resulted the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Unless your sense of good is uniform and not comparative, it perpetuates the belief in the reality of its opposite, which is the very thing you are seeking to eliminate. Such a belief makes a reversal of harmony possible at any time. The scientific consciousness of the reality and ever-presence of all good 
carries no contrast, since it is based on the recognition that God is all, and that everything he created is godlike and hence perfect. Thank you. So comments on that. Well, I realized I was thinking about this last night and how um, much of what I learned uh, in about Christian science was mostly by example, um, not by really being taught except in Sunday school. Um, and one of the things that was never said in our house was things like, um, well, if somebody says, you know, are you having a good day? Well, yes, I am, knock on wood. Or somebody says, you know, how are you feeling? Good so far. It's these expressions that come out of people's mouths. Many times I hear these things. And I realize I, I never said those things. I never, I always thought that it was sort of like opening a door to the possibility of the good changing into something that's not. And I was just grateful that I never heard those expressions. But it is something that you hear often. And um, people don't realize what they're opening the door to. And also in Amanda's readings, beautiful readings last Wednesday, her line, the line from Christian Healing, she read, God is all and in all. That finishes the question of a good and bad side to existence. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. Right, and you know, we uh, you can ask yourself: Does it make any sense to ask anybody how are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know they're perfect, so why ask? <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Evans used to always say that, and when people would ask her, like even out at a store, or restaurant, oh. <laughs> and everyone would be everyone would be so you know shocked, but but her point was you shouldn't be asking that question, <laughs> not as a Christian scientist, and yet it yeah. happens a lot. Go ahead. Is that it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this this is a very important point that you know there's this duality and. What Karen spoke of, knock on wood and all that, that, that is superstition. And that is the, the belief that, yes, there is this opposite that could bounce on you at any moment. <laughs> so you have to do some little thing like knock on wood so it won't. And, and of course, that's why in, in science, we don't think those things, say those things. We don't believe in chance. We don't play the lottery. All of that. Uh, we don't go to the uh, places to gamble, of course. Any of those things. All good is in God, and it has no opposite. And it's why, too, I love in Science and Health, where Mrs. Eddy says health um, is is has to do with uh, mind, not matter. Your health is in mind. It's in God. Therefore, it cannot fluctuate. It can't be diseased and then be fine. There's no fluctuation of it. It's in God. It's like any other quality that God gives you. It's perfect, complete, and it doesn't fluctuate. What's that statement in the Bible about every good and perfect gift? It's from from above. 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 Other lights. 
without whom variable. there is no room is no variable. Yeah, mm-hmm. no variableness. Right. Shadow. Neither shadow attorney. Yes. There you are. That we stand with. She um, also says that man is not sick. Man cannot be sick in science and health, which means that our origins, we have only one origin, all of us, everyone. The origin that is harmonious, that's pure, innocent, holy. If we appreciate that, if we love that enough, then we can be striving for that that end, that this is what it is. There are no, it doesn't change. Yes, thank you. Yeah, she says man is not capable of sin, disease, or death. Well, I was just thinking about the the human good and any human positives, kind of like what Gary was talking about yesterday. With, <laughs> but just we know that we instinctively know, and everyone instinctively knows if it's human good or human positives because we humanly try to protect it. And and then everything goes off. And it reminded me of in the prayer Florence gave about that thought of straining when we pray. You know, <laughs> we're like, oh. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta protect this. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so. Yeah, Mrs. Evans would call that the three finger treatment. <laughs> you sit there with your face all like screwed up, <laughs> looking kind of miserable with three three fingers on your forehead. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that's not what it's about. It's, it's about the beauty of the prayer that Florence gave us first thing, knowing the allness of God. And that gives us a sense of peace and joy and not fearful tension. Well, and, and another, uh, thing, how, do, how should you respond to a compliment? Someone compliments you on a job well done, or that you look nice, or something like that. Thank you, God. Thank you. It glorifies God. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, how? What did Jesus say to the lawyer that called, that went up to him and, and addressed him as good master? Only God is good. There's only one good. Don't call me good. There's only one good, and that's God. Because he recognized the motive in the guy that was complimenting him. Right? He was trying to get on his good side. (laughs) Trying to ask a favor. I was only here about a week or two, and we were leaving (laughs) church, and somebody said to Craig that he had a really nice car, and Craig just said, God is good. (laughs) <laughs> that really impressed me. And it still does. So. Thank you. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Thank you. Yep. Yes. And the, yeah, the completeness with Christ Jesus, no duality in him. And that's why we can't take any pride if we think we're good in any way, then comes, well, we're bad in lots of ways. <laughs> no duality. Only one good. And the bad is animal magnetism that belongs to no one. And what does this say about competition? There is nothing to compete with. It's a a human wicked belief. 
what's the point of it? I mean, if we are all from God and we are all, the, the good is accessible to everyone, then what's the need for the competition? Everyone has their talent doing what they are supposed to do. That's exactly so, it. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Thank you. And that is wonderful to hear because Gary, his long distance past <laughs> was one of the most competitive person, people you'd ever want to meet. And, and many Christian scientists I, never heard of this. I don't know whether I did until Mrs. Evans would talk about it. Um, and, and now you can look back and see, you know, it is a, it is a form of insecurity. You want to be better than others in some way or prove yourself. And in science, it's inadmissible. It has nothing to do with anything. Exactly. Well, a form of coveting, too. Well, that's true. There's a lot of mixed up things in there, mixed emotions. So all these things are well to to know. We don't have them. There's the one good, and we're all living stones, we each in our place. May we be worthy of the grace. And uh, when we are tending our own wheat field, we are not jealous or competitive or coveting what anyone else has. It's only the lazy human mind that does that. Wants what another has. Maybe you need to earn it yourself. That would be nice. Right? Or know that you can earn it yourself. Pardon me? Know that you can earn it yourself through God's help. Absolutely. And he's no respecter of person. He loves you just as much as anyone. And you have all good available to you. One thing I was doing this week in the lesson um, is we, we were taught this too. And I forget if it was either Peter V. Ross or Vic Nell Young that said that science and health is our autobiography. And every time Mrs. Eddy says man, you know, you can say yourself. You can say Mary or I or me. And in that three in science and health where it says spirit says I am spirit and then man whose senses are spiritual so you say my senses are from God and are spiritual I am God's likeness I have infinite understanding I possess the beauty of holiness the perfection of being and imperishable glory I am immortal and blissful and blissful is the highest degree of happiness um, so in that way, you relate all that's in science and health directly to yourself. It's not some man out there that you don't know who that man is. That man is you. So keep it, keep it there and know that to be the truth about yourself. Male, male and female, by the way, in yes. case there's anybody wondering. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, Jeremy, would you read the golden text? <clears throat> Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord. All right. This is kind of the gist of the whole lesson, right? And what are you saying about it, Gary, the theme of it? Well, if you recognize love on a spiritual basis, then it's immortal. And there's the only evolution there could possibly be 
is spiritual understanding. But if you look at life as having a material basis, then all of a sudden you get messed up in all the human theories about atomic force and material beginning and material ending and all that stuff that has nothing to do with reality. So it was kind of a nice approach to the lesson to focus on the immortality of spiritual life. Your life and my life. Louise sent me something from uh, lectures and articles, Edward Kimball's lectures and articles, where he says, if the origin and source and foundation of human life is atomic substance, if it is in any way produced by atomic aggregation, then every man is doomed to utter annihilation and death. <laughs> okay. And he goes on with and um, kind of just wiping out that belief. So, so yes, we start with this from Jeremiah. Um, now, what does the word sanctify mean? I was just going to say, I have looked that word up. And I, it, it, it means we're made for a holy purpose. We were, each of us has a holy purpose. And I, that's, that's really, um, been wonderful to think about too, that before we've always been with God and we've always had a purpose for expressing Him. And it's a holy purpose. And that's what we're here to do. And I just thought that was beautiful. I thought so too. Thank you. Yes. And, and, and look, look, you know, think about the word holy. You know, people have different connotations as to what that means. But ultimately it means really, really good in the divine sense. I mean, good for, good for you and good for everybody around you. It doesn't mean something mystical or unknowable, you know, because there are those who think that, you know, holy is something sort of transcendental and not practical, whereas, in fact, it's totally practical. And it brings so much joy to know that that you get off of you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about the bigger picture of why you're here. It's here to bless. And that just brings much more happiness, sustainable joy and happiness and contentment when your thought is there rather than about yourself. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. And to think every everyone has this holy purpose. Um, yeah, the, one of the definitions, to prepare for divine service. Yes. Everyone. What if we all thought about this, you know, the so-called birth of every child? That they're here for a divine purpose. They've been sanctified. Um, God has purified them, made them holy, free from guilt. That's why children have that innocence about them, right? Because I think they know this. They haven't been corrupted. (coughs) Excuse me. So think of this. And... um. And it goes along, again, it goes well with the lesson. <clears throat> For right reasoning, there should be but one fact before thought, namely spiritual existence. And also, 
Um, the true theory of the universe, it's not in material history, but in spiritual development. When you think about your past, it's not in all your human history of this, that, and being bounced all over the place. It's in spiritual development, how, how, what led you to where you are now, all the times you felt the presence and power of God with you. And that's not true just for you. It's true for your family. It's true for everyone. It's true for our nation, our world. The history of our nation is not in material history, but in spiritual development. You know, that, that's an interesting story when um, someone came to Mrs. Eddie, a couple, whose husband had been in the Civil War and had been wounded or something and was looking for healing and brought this to her attention. And, um, you know, the wife said, well, he'd been in the war. And she said, what war? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Civil war. She said, "What war?" <laughs> well, because if you're gonna say, "Well, there was this horrible war and all the all of this kind of thing," then yes, you seem to have this result from that war. Um, well, in truth, there it, been no war. There was no war because it was the Adam dream that seemed to be playing itself out. Evil has no history. Evil has no history. Oh, yes, thank you. So she was using her absolute metaphysics in that instance. Absolute, not relative, absolute, to heal that problem. And guess what? The man was healed. So, and then also in Science and Health, the continual contemplation of existence as material and corporeal, as beginning and ending, and with birth decay and dissolution as its component stages, hides the true and spiritual life and causes our standard to trail in the dust. If life has any starting point whatsoever, then the great I am is a myth. If life is God, as the scriptures imply, then life is not embryonic. It is infinite. <clears throat> this is why when you go to... Uh, what are they called? A, you know, this shower, baby showers. Okay. When you go to graduations, when you go to weddings, when you go to funerals, that is continual contemplation of existence as material and spiritual, isn't it? And most of the world believes that this is how it is. So if you go, you need to have your armor on. Because you will be fed with all of this stuff. And I just, I know I never knew this. And I'd come home and my head would be spinning around and talk about comparing. Yeah, comparing or feeling sad that somebody died or somebody's feeling happy someone was born or, or then why did they have it and I don't and all this kind of human stuff. Continual contemplation. Now, oh, and also I'll include birthdays. All of that's in there. It's all the human. And and I know, I, and I've done it, and if you feel like you have a reason to do it, to go to one of these things, if there's a good and holy reason to express the Christ and bring healing, then fine, but you make sure you are radiating and not absorbing because this is what it's all about. And it's all about the exact opposite of what Christian science teaches. Is it not? Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, it is. You go to bless only. And I think the kind of thought you go with is enduring and after is important. Praying before, during, and after. You sure as heck cannot just waltz in there like I used to do. And honestly, I don't really get invited to any of these things very much anymore. Um, thank, I'm grateful. <laughs> but, cause, but, and now I know if I decide to go, I have to have a holy purpose and I must be radiating. Otherwise you are, and you are not coming out from the material world and being separate. You are being part of the material world. And in order to avoid pressure, you need to come out from the material world and be separate, right? <laughs> and maybe when we get into doing that stuff, we start to feel pressured and miserable and all kinds of things. Go ahead. Were you going to speak, Karen? Oh, no. I was just agreeing to come out from the material world and be separate. That's, yes, <laughs> that's yeah. a constant thing. Oh, it's a constant reminder that we've got to be doing that every moment. But Yes. And this is why this time of year can be so difficult for so many people and why Mrs. Evans called it the bloody holidays because all these pressures to do all this stuff because of family or whatever. And if you don't, well, what will people think of you? Um, so when you do, you go with your armor on every moment. It's more work, not less. And to be separate. The- doesn't mean you don't ever, you know, mix with people. I mean, that's not what it means. It means separate your thought from the beliefs around you that would try to drag you down. And the way you separate yourself from those beliefs, as Mary said, is to radiate the Christ, radiate the truth, have that one standard of what divine good is, and don't let anything Drag your thought down. You can practice this every time you go to the store. <laughs> Did you hear that? You yeah. can practice it every time yeah. you go to the store. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Conversation. You I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, I really started doing that over the last few months. I say hi to everybody in the store. And I've even got new friends in the store that work there because I've been doing this. And it just has changed my whole shopping experience. It's really... It's really incredible how that just just lightens up your whole experience. It's wonderful. Thank you. That's Ma- true. Mary does that too all the time. Yeah. Everybody yeah. goes. Even when I'm in the car, I'm waving to people on the street. Everybody, <laughs> I just wave too. Why not? Certainly, when I go yeah. walk, cars pass. I wave. Uh, I wave for a lot of reasons, but in my in my heart and in my soul, I'm saying, "Hail, Son of God," and giving them a mm-hmm. great blessing. And it makes a huge difference on people. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, people feel that. And that's why we're here. For heaven's sake. That's why they say people feel your thought more than even what you say. Yes. They feel you already before you say anything. And please, that's why you never, you don't go out, oh, look at him, and oh, what about that one, and all this stuff. I mean, my goodness, you cooked and fried them before you even know who they are. I mean, my gosh. No, you just, you just love them because they're lovable. They're God's child, and they are a son of God. Hail, son of God, everywhere you go. 
bring a great blessing. And that's, uh, that's the gifts that we give that are without cost, right? Okay. And they're the greatest gifts we can give. In the lesson, at towards the end, there's one statement. Everything in God's universe expresses Him. Thank you. There we go. Everything. And you do it, you know, when I sit in my study and I look out, Gary has a bird feeder right out by my window that I can bless all the birds and all, all of everything, the wildlife, the vegetation. You just love it. It just as Lil just said, everything expresses God. It's declaring I am. And isn't that wonderful? So I wanted to share with you today, um, the Herbert Reiki, parts of this Herbert Reiki article, I guess it's an article, association address, called Immortality. And um, Karen has been putting these on audio, the Reiki, Dorothy Reiki and Herbert Reiki, right, Karen? So thank you. Yeah, um, yeah I It'll probably won't be done till after Christmas. No, no, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> I've been looking for it, but thanks for telling me. <laughs> well, there, and he, he's done some very, very long ones, so. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> very valuable. And he speaks, and I love the way he talks about it, about Im- immortality. Um, never beginning and never ending. I mean, we talk a lot about never ending, right? Because we know we don't, we go on, we... There's no such thing as death. He goes into that very well, too. But this other part of it, never beginning, is something we don't maybe think about as much. you want to say something? No, I mean, it's a little harder to think about because we, we, we have memories that go back only so far. I don't, I don't have a memory of Mrs. Eddie actually being here. But through her writings, I do have a memory of her. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. (laughs) I don't don't have a memory of being in the presence of Jesus. But through the New New Testament, I have very fond memories of walking with him on the beach through the woods and the trails. And that's what Mrs. Eddy has said. Um, and that's why the power of, of a good book, which we're going to get into, and why it's so important to read good books that speak well of people that we're reading about, that sees them as in the expression of God. Um, otherwise, when there's a lot of negative things, why, why fill your thought with that? And, Mr. Ricky says one of the questions asked this year is why can't remember what went on why can't we remember what went on before birth? How would you answer that, Mr. So and so? There is only one answer. We can. <laughs> and we must stop mesmerizing ourselves with the hypnotism of mortality by saying I can't remember anything prior to a certain year. If we indulge in such self hypnosis, ignorance of pre existence will seem to prevail. But if we declare our immortality, we shall have true knowledge of pre-existence. He later says he prefers to call it coexistence. Yeah. But then, then he says, goes on, don't be a mortal living in a state of mortality. Be an immortal living in this glorious state of immortality, enjoying everything immortal, beautiful, good, and true. 
live in that eternal mind that knows no beginning and no end, no birth and no death. Live in that perfect life that exists through all time. It is eternity itself. In no other way can you demonstrate the infinite capacities of healing in Christian science. Reading the Bible intelligently with a true imagination and with a tr- with a sincere desire for all of the spiritual interpretation, inspiration, and lessons to be learned therefrom will extend your atmosphere of thought. You will learn to see yourself not as the mortal living a few decades in this century, but as an immortal living in an eternal universe with every idea that is beautiful, good, and true. Such a correct spiritual, eternal, immortal sense of things will eliminate from your thoughts any fear of death. Yea, every belief in death and the accompanying experience of sickness and sin. Truly, be a priest after the order of Melchizedek, without father or mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God. That sounds good to me. And and in, and in the article, it'll say, well, so-and-so, don't you remember being with Moses when he parted the sea? Don't you remember, you know, when Mrs. Eddie gave the speech Pleasant View? Don't you remember that? And thank goodness for books. <laughs> but then, then this is beautiful. He says, and this is where it came from, we ought to read one biography of Mrs. Eddie each year. This is just what Gary was talking about. And then he says, there are six authorized volumes, I will say, suggested. And this, th- these I approve of. Sybil Wilbers, William Powell, Ramsey, Julia Johnson, and Irving Tomlinson. And then Mrs. Eddy's own autobiography, Retrospection and Introspection. <clears throat> and since then, there have been more written. Um, Sybil, yes, Sybil Wilbur was, yes. Um, and we have, due to Tom, a wonderful list of the really good biographies by Mrs. Eddy. And certainly Carpenter, he doesn't mention Carpenter, but Carpenter is certainly one. Gilbert Carpenter, Spiritual Footsteps. Mary Baker Eddy, her Spiritual Footsteps. Okay, and then he says, the next time you read one of these biographies, be right there throughout the story. It will then mean much more to you. Be a companion in Mrs. Eddy's mental household. Ride in her carriage with her and see the things she saw. Speak to those she spoke to. Sit with her on red rock while the poem or waiting harp strings unfolds. Attend her last class in 1898. You know you can almost, you know you almost can plan for many things have been written you know you almost can for many things have been written about that class, both in her biographies and re- recent articles in the journal. It is not necessary for you to be excluded from anything good that happened in the spiritual unfoldments of our leader. So do that. That's why the Gilbert Carpenter book is so good. He goes into all these things that happen in her home. And that's why I encourage you to read it and to take part in how she lived. Be a student in her home. Cook like her students cooked. Dress like they dressed. Pray and watch like they did. 
and also in Christ Jesus's time. That's why I think some we enjoy the chosen so much. It makes us makes us be there, observing it all, and and more than that, being part of it. And so it is with really all of history, and let it be the spiritual development that you read about. I love to read about our Revolutionary War in, in America, but the spiritual development of it, the Founding Fathers, their spiritual development, what they gave us, and, and throughout the history of America, and, and many other countries, too, that I have yet to read about but always in the spiritual development, not just the material history, which is boring and is which most of us forgot about in school, but what was really true and real and how fascinating all that is. It's wondrous. And and we should always remember, we can know everything we need to know. Yes. Because the divine mind is our mind. It's your mind and my mind. And I think of what Jesus tried to explain this to the uh, people who were questioning him. And, you know, what did he say? He said, before Abraham was, I am. Well, before Abraham was, so were you. If you are in the Christ mind. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he was glad. There was no separation between him and any of the great prophets, the great thinkers. There should be no separation between any of us. It is the prerogative of divine mind to know the past, the present, and the future. Thank you, yes. And that mind is your mind. Thank you. I, and I love that in, in science and health. And, and we must be doing that. Mrs. Eddy did it, and we can too. And the more you progress in science, the more you will. You will know anything you need to know about the past, things you have no way of knowing, but you will know. And I know in current events, I, can, I know things. That I have no way of knowing, except I just know. I just know. I know what's happened, and I don't have to be confused by what the papers have reported. <laughs> so let this divine mind work in you, and you will know past, present, and future. And I, I thought this was interesting. I was finishing the book. Um, it's called Life at Four Hundred Beacon Street. It was Life at Chestnut Hill with Chess some interesting things in it, but it says, in 1914, a mere four years after Mrs. Eddy's passing, William Rathbone Vaughn would tell his students, it has been your privilege to share in the trials and triumphs of our leader while her mission kept her here on earth. You were Christian scientists while she was. You read her words as they were originally given to the world through our periodicals. You have worked with those who have worked with her. You have been given words of hers that have never been publicly imparted or recorded. But now they are. Never again since such never again can such experience fall to a lot of mankind. However, it will not be so many years before a new generation of Christian scientists will be active in our cause. The days and doings of our leader may seem to them but a shade less remote 
than the times of our master. If we do not awaken to the part we have mentally and materially in keeping our memory green and our achievements fresh in the minds of those who follow. Now, <laughs> yes, please. So let us have all these books that you have hidden up in the archives. And thank God now we have it. So we keep the memory fresh. We live with her. We walk with her. We breathe with her. As as um, Gary just said about Christ Jesus. Yeah, that beautiful quote I love of Mrs. Eddy where she talks about how where my master and brother. Yes, my yes, brother my brother. Walked and prayed and wept. And wept. That was what she thought of the hills of near Pleasant View. And she found that house because she was looking for a house near the sea. Um, thank you. Yes, it's such a beautiful quote. So let's, let's be with him and experience all of it, including the resurrection. Because what that will do for us will be amazing. And why not? And we can. Past, present, future. It's ours to know. The spiritual development. So, and so think oh, about, yeah. go ahead. Um, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> well, when I was reading, the, uh, reading, let Tony go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. What I was, um, thanks, Karen. What I was saying, uh, growing up in what we sometimes refer to as the culture, nothing was ever said to me or to class instruction about what it meant to honor or our, what our duty to our leader means. And I've been wanting to bring this topic up a couple of times as we've been talking about Mrs. Eddy. So I've been on my own journey just to understand <clears throat> what does it mean to uphold our duty. And I think one of our duties is to read and understand her life and what she lived through, what she had to go through to give us this science. And I'm reading the Greco book now, and I am floored at what she's been, what she had to go through. And it's given me such a deeper understanding, appreciation of how to practice the science, how to live it. And, uh, you know, my love for her and what she's done has tripled, quadrupled. And I think part of our duty is to actually understand her. Most, very most definitely. Absolutely. Yes, it is. And how do you do that? It is by reading more about her, the good biographies of her. And and loving her more, as as she told those who were not healing in the Chicago church, what did they need to do? They needed to love her more. Um, as we love these these great lights, uh, we can emulate them more, and that's wonderful. So thank you, Tony and Karen. Well, I, as I was reading, um, uh, recording this, I. The, one of the things that stood out to me when I was talking the, where he talks about being at the Red Sea, um, in places, you know, we were there since we were never born. We were, we were with these, the Israelites. And, and I thought to myself, whatever the situation, you know, that I'm dealing or so called dealing with, but 
we'll say it, you know, a toothache. Like, did I have a toothache when I was standing at the Red Sea? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and it's sort of like, wow. Then there was, I didn't have any of these things when I was standing at the Red Sea. So I can't have it now. If I didn't have it then, I don't have it now. There's no change. There's no, I'm the same as I was when I was there with the Israelites. So that came to me as I was reading, and I thought, wow, that that's never come to me before. <laughs> wow. Yes. My symbol says what pain? Yeah. Yes. Yes, that was, that was the material history. That was but a dream. That was never true. That was never true. It was but a dream. Um, never born and never dying into matter. It always coexisted with the Father. Now, <clears throat> our dear Jacob in uh, Holland sent me this. I sailed in the English Channel on small ships before the days of radar and the Eddystone Lighthouse as well as many other beacons all around the coast. It could be a matter of life and death giving us our position and warning us of the rocks or other dangers. Because that's how we ended last week about the Eddystone Lighthouse. And then he... He sent me a, a YouTube of the Miami Church Service, uh, Third Church, which he said it made him sad to see only a handful of worshipers there, and it, it is true. And then he goes, here in Holland, Christianity and the Bible are mocked and made fun of by most of the population. The horrible dream and theory of the allness of matter prevails. It makes me sad. But then I pray to know that this world is basically a temporal dream and that divine intelligence, harmony, goodness, truth, and love will prevail because nothing else is real. God's thinking is all I should accept as my thinking. And then he asks, is there more? Well, to all of all of us, we to be these lights wherever you are, Holland, Sweden, Australia, Canada, uh, Nigeria, England. England, Hawaii, all around this world and universe be the light be that light shine it one with god is a majority you shine it forth and uh radiate that is what we do and it's so important so with that we're going to end on this beautiful article carrie found called the stars in the firmament i'm amy harris from christian science sentinel she says she writes, the business of a star is to shine. So far as the unaided human vision is concerned, we should have no evidence of the existence of either planet or star except for the light it emits. To a certain extent, our own lives show forth our existence by the light we reflect or the shadow which our presence casts. We may converse with a hundred people during the day but it is not their so-called physical selves, their outward appearance, which usually remains in our thought. It is their light, their brightness, alertness, joyousness, or else, as the case may be, their gloom, moroseness, depression. Jesus bade us, let, a, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In Revelation, he that overcometh is promised the morning star. What is this star? 
except Christian science. It is the star God has given us through our leader's faithful inspiration. Like the lion, brave star, like the lone brave star of which she speaks in Christ and Christmas, it keeps guard o'er the grim night of chaos, into which are plunged many nations and peoples. Today, the world would have no hope of extricating itself from its seething sea of sorrow, except for the fact that Christian science has risen like the star of Bethlehem to lead us to the Christ, the Savior of the world. We, in turn, must keep our light burning. We must shine in our setting as brightly and as individually brilliant as the stars in the heavens shine. No allurement of mortal experience must make us lose sight of our business of shining, even though around us the swirl of discord and discontent would seek to sweep us into its dark course if we fail to guard our trust. The clamor of self seems to rise with dangerous persistency. Ye shall be as gods, claims to be the promise of the hour. Much criticism of Christian science has been silenced, as the world has come to recognize the peace, which is a marked characteristic of Christian scientists. And that peace humanity sorely needs. During times of seeming danger and so-called epidemic, the calm demeanor of Christian scientists has caused many to be attracted to this religion. Is it not letting our light shine to stand forth amid a panic of fear, fearless, to carry about in our manner, our faces, and our conversation the serene assurance that all is well? The calm of such a one radiates in the dark spots of the earth and brings quiet, and the quiet of spiritual understanding banishes fear. Fast circling on from zone to zone, bright blessed afar, o'er the grim night of chaos shone one lone brave star. Mary Baker Eddy. Just a reminder, next week is Christmas Day. We will not have our, our round table, but we will have our service. We certainly hope to see you all at our Christmas Eve service Saturday evening. So, thank you all very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.